Amen, amen, amen. Beginning today, I'm starting a series of messages entitled The Miracles of Christmas. So there'll be five messages, and we'll begin today and go through December the 23rd, of course, that final Sunday. And uh, you may not have thought about it this way, but Christmas and the story of Christmas is filled with miracles. It's all about the miraculous, extraordinary power of God being demonstrated in a variety of ways. So I've selected a number of different themes and different miracles for these coming weeks. But today, we're going to talk about the miracle of fulfillment. The miracle of fulfillment. And I think that'll make sense as we go. I don't know about you, but uh, I know there's probably some in this room that I'm talking about, but I know some people that wouldn't mind if we start celebrating Christmas, singing Christmas carols, uh, put up decorations, starting Labor Day. They'd be just fine with that. I mean, they'd be happy to have Christmas carols playing constantly all the way through Christmas, and then they want to extend it past Christmas all the way up to Valentine's Day. Y'all know people like that? Some of you, I'm speaking of you. And that's okay. What you may not know is that there was someone who's got you beat, all right? His name was Micah. He was a prophet from the Old Testament. He was an ancient Jewish prophet who 700 years before Joseph and Mary ever arrived on the scene was already celebrating Christmas. Do you know that? Yeah. He was an ancient prophet that predicted the coming of the Messiah. 700 years before, he made a prediction. He predicted that Jesus would come and be born, and he made, really it was a twofold prediction. We'll look at the verse in a little bit. The first was that the Messiah would be a descendant of King David, and he also predicted that the Messiah was going to be born in the little insignificant town of Bethlehem. Can you imagine that 700 years earlier, he was already prophesying and predicting the coming of the Messiah? And so what I want to talk about today is the miracle of fulfillment. The fact of the matter is, not only did prophet Micah, did he prophesy some important details about the coming of the Messiah and the first coming of Jesus, but there were many others. In fact, it's, uh, Old Testament scholars tell us that there are probably over 300 predictions and prophecies about Yeshua, the Messiah, in general. So over 300 prophecies about the Messiah and at least, and there's some debate about the number, but at least 55 of them have to do with the first coming of Jesus, his first coming. That leaves, actually, do you notice that leaves the majority of those prophecies yet to be fulfilled? And they will be fulfilled when? On the, in the second coming of Jesus. So I think that's always really exciting to know we got a whole lot more coming, right? So, so 55 of them at least related to the first coming of Jesus the Messiah and a large number still to be fulfilled. And so just think about that. 55 prophecies that are predicted hundreds of years before, spoken of by prophets who were speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit would come upon prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament, intermittently, usually. And the Holy Spirit would come upon them, and there would be some extraordinary supernatural uh, gift manifested. In this case, there were prophecies or predictions. They were specifically looking forward into the future and saying, this is going to be the Messiah. 
He is going to come. And this is what is going to happen with his coming. Now, all the, I believe that all of the prophecies are going to come true one day. But the 55 plus that had to do with the first coming of Christ is what we want to focus on today. And in fact, we'll limit it actually to only those that have to do specifically with the birth of Jesus Christ, all right? Because of being Christmas and we couldn't cover them all, I'm going to limit it to that. Now, there are actually, uh, most people would agree, there's probably about eight prophecies that specifically have to do with the birth of Christ, the Messiah. But I'm, for the sake of time, I'm limiting it to six we're going to talk about today. All right? Now, let me just take for a moment illustrate probability to you. I'm not trying to get overly technical, but I think it will cause some level of amazement, and you'll go like, wow, this is really cool when you begin to see how the miracle of fulfillment uh, begins to be unfolded for us in the Bible. Um, probability mathematicians and experts uh, explain it this way. If you took a piece of paper, you put 10 pieces of paper in a box, and you put a mark, you marked one of them, and then you were to mix them all up and draw one out, your probability of picking the one that you marked would be 1 out of 10. All right? I know this is deep, right? Are you all still with me? All right. But when you take the 300 prophecies that had to do with the Messiah, and you were to take the laws of probability and apply them to what is the likelihood that Yeshua would come and fulfill all of the prophecies with all of their specifics. Dr. Stoner, who's a mathematician at a university in California, said that he's estimated and tried to explain it this way. He can give you the exact numbers to the nth power, whatever it may be. But uh, this explanation may help you. He said, if you were to take silver dollars, how many of y'all seen a silver dollar? You know how big a silver dollar is? Some of you kids have never seen a silver dollar. I, I, I know that dates some of us, okay? But, but a silver dollar is about like that, all right? It's bigger than a 50-cent piece, which you rarely see anymore either. But anyway, a silver dollar, you took silver dollars and you placed them side by side in the state of Texas. So the, the size, I'm from Texas. I know it takes a long way to travel from north to south and east to west in the state of Texas. It didn't take you days to travel that, all right? If you place silver dollars next to each other, right next to each other, and you covered this, the land mass of the state of Texas with silver dollars, and then you put a second layer of silver dollars on top of that to cover the whole land mass of the state of Texas, and you marked one, only one of those silver dollars, the chances of you finding that one, the probability of you finding that one marked silver dollar would be equivalent to the probability of one person fulfilling all the details of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, by the way, I didn't do the math on that, but I'm, I'm quoting some who, who are so-called experts, all right? Now, what does that tell you? Wow, it'll blow your mind to think that that one person would actually fulfill all of those prophecies. We call prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of the coming of the Messiah, we call those messianic prophecies. They are predictions or prophecies 
that someone just didn't conjure up, they just didn't come up with an idea. The Holy Spirit gave them the supernatural ability to prophesy, predict, 100 years before, all about the coming of the Messiah. Now, let me just tell you one other thing about Messianic prophecy, and then we'll get into the six prophecies, all right? A lot of people say, how? Now, in our day, they say, how could the, how could the, the nation of Israel ever miss Yeshua? How could they ever have missed that? When you look back and you see the prophecies, and even the six, and I'm going to give you that, they're going to, you're going to say, boom, 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 boom. How could they have ever been so blind, the Jews, to miss that? Well, let me see uh, if I can explain it this way. If you're looking pre-arrival of Christ, before the first advent of Jesus Christ, you would be looking forward, not backwards. We have the advantage of looking backwards. okay? But they would be looking forward, having these prophecies, and they would hear all these prophecies and they'd start to build up over time and they're looking forward and they're looking. Let me tell you, the Jew, they were looking for the Messiah. It's not that they weren't anticipating Messiah. The problem was is that there had, were what some have referred to as the two mountains of prophecy. The first mountain of prophecy are prophecies that had to do with the first coming of Jesus Christ. There was another mountain of prophecy that had to do with the second coming. But most of the Jews who were looking at looking ahead were only noticing it as one mountain. How many of you have ever driven or in your travels? You've driven along a highway and you saw a mountain in the distance. You say, oh, look, look, there's a mountain. The closer you got to the mountain, all of a sudden you realize what? There were actually two mountains. One mountain was hiding behind the other mountain all along, but you didn't see two mountains. All you saw was one. It's all a matter of perspective. And so that's exactly what happened with the Messiah is the first coming of Christ, which has now been fulfilled, was one of the mountains. But there now still remains a whole lot of prophecies about the Messiah that will be fulfilled one day when we have the second coming of the Messiah. And mark, just mark it down, he will come again. Just as surely as he came to fulfill these prophecies in his first coming, he will come again. Can someone turn to your neighbor and say, he's coming again? Sometimes at Christmas we need to remind ourselves he's coming again. All right? So here's now with all of that explanation about that, I'd like us to dig in with you and look at these uh, some prophecies specifically about the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Christ. All right. So we're going to take. I'm going to give you six of them. We'll take them one by one. Number one, the first one, is the prophecy in Genesis that says that the nations will be blessed through Abraham's lineage. We live in a day in which there's extraordinary amount of fascination with ancestry and genealogies. Isn't it interesting? I mean, people spending big big bucks to purchase rights to be able to understand their lineage and whether they come from Africa or Ireland. They want to know all the details about that. And it it, it is interesting, isn't it? Just to know a little bit. Uh, One of those that was in the first service today uh, had five different... uh, uh, family members that were on the Mayflower. Yeah. So uh, I thought, well, I wish, I wish I had such a history. Most of my, um, most of my uh, uh, parents, parents of parents of parents of parents. You go far enough back, we have just cattle robbers and bank robbers and a few things like that. So I don't have such a glorious ancestry uh, pattern to point out today to me. But anyway, let's, the point of the matter is, if we're that interested in genealogies, let's do a little genealogical study on Jesus. 
Huh? What if we did, did it that way? Let's look at this one. The nations will be blessed through Abraham's lineage. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 says this. I will bless those who bless you. So God is speaking to Abram. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed, how? Through you. Through you, Abraham. In other words, it was going to the blessings of God were going to come through Abraham, the father of of the Israelite nation, through Abraham, his descendants, and their descendants, and their descendants, and their descendants, and all the way down that genealogy line, at some point, God said, all my blessings, the nations of the earth, are going to be blessed through you. Now, is there any way that could be fulfilled through one person named Jesus Christ? Yes. Let's look at the fulfillment. It's found in Acts chapter 3, verses 25 through 26, and let me read it to you. In this message, it says, and you are the heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. God said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, so he was quoting that passage back there in Genesis. When God raised up his servant, who is his servant? Jesus, amen. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So here we find the exact fulfillment as the preaching is taking place in Acts chapter 3 here, a reference to this promise saying it's been fulfilled because God sent his servant, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the servant of God, he sent him to fulfill it. So first of all, we know this one's been fulfilled. Check it off. Number two, the nations are going to be blessed through Jacob's offspring. Now we're narrowing this down. So here we have the passage in Genesis 28, a prophecy given to Jacob. Listen to what it said. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will be spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Wow. Now we find that Jacob has a similar covenantal promise, a prophecy coming over him that his seed and the nations of the earth are going to somehow be blessed through his line. Let's look at the fulfillment of this one. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, we know that in several of the Gospels, there's what we call the, 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 the genealogies of the Messiah, or sometimes we call them the begets. So-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so And uh, so if you're reading through the Bible, some people say, well, just skip over that. But what you need to understand is they're important because you actually see the lineage. You see the fulfillment of these prophecies. So look at this one. In Luke chapter 3, speaking of the Messiah, this is his lineage. The son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor. So here, Dr. Luke is giving us the background lineage for the coming of the Messiah. And whose line did he come out of? Jacob. Not only Abraham, here we see also Jacob and Isaac. Once again, a fulfillment of a Messianic Old Testament prediction. 
many, many years ago. Let's look at number three. David receives a similar promise. David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. Look at the prophecy spoken in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. When your days are over and the rest with your and you rest with your ancestors, in other words, when you're dead, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. So it has two applications here. Many times when we look at Old Testament prophecy, there's different applications. One application would be who? Who's the son of David it was speaking of? Solomon. But it's also speaking in a messianic way, way into the future of the coming of the Messiah. So it says, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, which spoke not only of Solomon fulfilling that, but also was speaking hundreds of years in the, in the future, and it would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. I will establish his kingdom, his throne forever. The rule of Christ was predicted as we see here in 2 Samuel. Do we have a fulfillment in the New Testament? Yes. For example, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Once again, part of the genealogy of the Messiah says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of who? David. Here we see that David is in this line. And I know you're not going to be able to see it, but I decided to put up there a, a wonderful chart that shows the relevancy of King David to the coming of the Messiah. And you can see the genealogy of Jesus all the way back through the line of David, all the way back to Adam for that matter. So uh, obviously you can't read those names. It's not important. I just wanted to illustrate to you that Jesus was, in the, was an offspring, Christ was, of King David. Let's look at more detail. Number four, prophecy number four. A virgin will give birth and he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What's the prophecy? This one came from the prophet Isaiah. So the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of God comes on the prophet Isaiah and he said this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look for this sign. What's the sign? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So here we see a prediction, a prophecy about 400 years before the arrival of, of Christ on earth. And it says that it's got the birth of the Messiah is going to come through what? A virgin? Don't you know that that Old Testament saints must have been scratching their heads on this one? Say, now, wait a minute. Something must be wrong here with our, with our scriptures. Because how can a virgin conceive and give birth to a son? Doesn't that feel like a total conflict of terms? And yet it was true. Because it didn't anticipate the miraculous conception that we'll talk about in future weeks being one of those miracles. But here, we simply see the incredible prediction and prophecy that Isaiah gave forth. Was this fulfilled? Yes, it was. There was a virgin, she conceived, she gave birth to a son, and his name was Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. What's the fulfillment? Find it there in Luke chapter 1. It says in the angel, this is Gabriel's interaction with Mary. The angel answered and said, 
the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Here we have the fulfillment. Specifically, in great detail, fulfilled just like God predicted it through his prophets of old. Number five. Now, this one's interesting. The Messiah will end up in Egypt. Now, I remember thinking, wow, if I wouldn't have read, if I wouldn't be looking back and having the knowledge of the New Testament under my belt now, that would be totally confused. Like, how? Wait, I thought, I thought he was going to be born in Bethlehem. We'll see that his birth is going to be in Bethlehem in just a moment from Micah. How did he end up in Egypt? How does all that fit together? It says here in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son, saith the Lord. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Can anybody remember how Christ got to Egypt? How did he end up in Egypt? Well, the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. So he, Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for where? Egypt. Why? Because of Herod, right? Where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled. See, right here, Matthew's doing us the benefit of telling us right here, fulfillment, fulfillment. There it was fulfilled, what the Lord had said to the prophet. And he quotes him, out of Egypt I called my son. So he's saying, this is fulfillment of that. This is that. Does everybody see the miracle of fulfillment? All right, one more, one more. Number six, the Christ will be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, this small, insignificant village of Judah this is where the Messiah is going to be born. Was that true? Of course it was. Let's look at the prophecy first. And this was our good buddy Micah, who 700 years before prophesied this. And he prophesied, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. You see that clear prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, and he was going to come where? To Bethlehem. Was that fulfilled? Yes, it was. Here we have proof in the New Testament. Fulfillment found in Matthew 2, for example, in verses 4 through 6. And it says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they replied and said, well, in Bethlehem in Judea. So even the scribes knew. They had been studying Micah. They knew what the prophet had predicted. And they said, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. This is what the prophet has written. And then Matthew provides it for us once again. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Boom. Fulfillment. Once again. Are you all noticing the amazing observation of the specificity 
of these predictions. They're not, they're not, predict, they're not like prophecies. Sometimes we hear a prophecy today that says, oh, the Lord is saying to you, my brother, you're going to have a great year. It's going to be a good year. Enjoy the favor of the Lord. All right, that, that might be a good word, might encourage you. Not a lot of specificity there. I mean, you know, that. I mean, God bless that. But th- these, are, these are words that said, this is when it's going to happen. This is where it's going to happen. This is the line, genealogical line that's going to happen. The amazing specificity of these prophecies all came together like streams that were all coming together to converge. And then we have the Messiah being born, which we celebrate during this time of Easter, during this time of Christmas. And we should remember these wonderful applications that we can draw from the miracle of fulfillment. So I'll just come up with four. You can come up with more, all right? So here's some lessons, some takeaways for you today. Number one, God always surpasses our expectations. (laughs) He always surpasses our expectations. What did the Jews of old anticipate? They were expecting to have uh, a, a, a ruling political dictator who was going to release them from the oppression of the Romans. That's what they were expecting, right? And so what did God do? Even greater. He sent to them a humble carpenter shepherd. But he sent to them also the king of the universe. And he didn't send them one that was going to release them from the domination of the, Jew, of the Romans. He sent someone who was going to deliver humanity from the oppression of slavery to sin forever and forever and redeem us. Wow, God exceeded their expectations. The things that they were expecting, oh, God wanted to do so much more. Do you believe that that could be possibly true in our lives today as well? That God today wants to surpass even your expectation? The Bible says, uh, we celebrate in Ephesians when it says, but God who is able to do what? Abundantly beyond what you ask, think. One translation says ask, think, or even imagine. He's able to do that in our lives. Why? Because He loves to surpass our expectations. God is an abundant God, and he loves to surpass even what you expect. All right, second takeaway, second application personally, is that God promised Messiah, that God's promised Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, you say, well, that's obvious. That's what we've been talking about all morning. Yeah, but I don't want you to miss it. I want to make sure you know what this means. What does it mean? If the Messiah was fulfilled, all that was said about the Messiah in his first coming was fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, to a carpenter and his wife, that man was not just a man, but was God himself. This means Jesus Christ is undoubtedly, unquestionably, who he said he was. So you and I need to make sure we remember that he is God. He's not just another spiritual leader who claims something. He is the one and the only God. And we need to take that with us and remind ourselves. And by the way, it's good. This is good witnessing material. (laughs) To tell an unbeliever, to tell a doubter, 
to tell a skeptic, to tell an agnostic, well, let me just show you something. How do you explain this? Look at all these predictions, all fulfilled through Jesus Christ. How do you explain that? That's quite a challenge. Look at the third application. God's word can always be trusted. <laughs> we have these prophecies in the Old Testament that tell us about the coming Messiah, and we see that they were fulfilled. That ought to tell us what? If if God's word can be trusted in that, God's word as a whole, from Genesis to Revelation, can be trusted. All the Bible, all the scripture is inspired by God. And you can put your trust, and when God says something, you can trust it. You can trust it. When he makes promises to us, you can trust that. And the, the, the abundant promises of God's word can be taken and believed and held on to. God promises us as Christians today, there is therefore now no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live with guilt and condemnation. Why? We have a word. We have a promise from God about that. The Bible says if we will confess our sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive us from our sins. Amen? The Bible says that nothing will separate you from the love of God. Nothing at all. It says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. These are all promises. God's word. Look, if we can trust God's word to believe that these prophecies came true, we can trust God's word to save us. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every other promise can also be trusted. God's word is to believe, be believed and to be trusted. Are y'all hearing me today? Yeah. Number four, there is strong cause for our faith to be strengthened. I'm here to tell you today that your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord, is not some random choice. It's not just some stroke of luck like maybe I'm throwing the dice and maybe I'm going to hit it. This isn't like going to the lottery and saying, well, maybe I'll hit the lottery. No, there is a strong case to be made, an arguable, defendable case for who Christ is, not only because of this, but add to this everything that happened at his death, burial, and resurrection, right? There's a strong case to be made for the fact that your faith has good basis. Your faith can be anchored. And you can know that you know that you know. And when you have your, your faith in Christ that is encouraged today, and even this miracle of fulfillments today that I showed you, your faith should feel stronger today. We live in a day where doubts are being thrown at Christians right and left. We live in a culture in which there seems to be more faith in, in the doubts than there is faith in the truth. And cynicism abounds. And questions and uncertainties and uh, all hundreds and thousands of options of religious options and experiences are thrown at us. We need to have our faith strengthened in who Jesus was. He was the Messiah. And he is our Savior and our Lord if we choose him to be today. Isn't that good news? There's cause for our faith to be strengthened. So I want you to take these four applications and apply them to your life and take them home. Let it add to your encouragement because God has done great things to show us the miracle of fulfillment. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray specifically for you this morning before we conclude our service.
what I specifically want to do is pray for you who have been, maybe even recently, overwhelmed by doubt. Someone wrote once, uh, gave a message, and they titled the message, The Virus of Doubt. <laughs> it's easy to catch. You're not careful, you'll catch the virus. And it's spreading like wildfire, the virus of doubt. And we have to strengthen ourselves against that doubt. James tells us that if you pray with doubt, you can't assume that you're going to receive what you prayed for. Doubt comes in all different shapes and forms and sizes and flavors. But we know that Satan is the source of doubt and unbelief. He's the source of confusion. And he wants to use anything he can to cause doubt to make you unstable, to cause doubt to make you even question some of you, to even question your salvation. Say, I don't even know if I'm really saved. I'm not sure that everything I was taught is really true. Doubt will undermine the underpinning of your faith if you're not careful. Some of you are holding on to a promise from God. Some of you are holding on to promises for health or healing or financial blessing or or restoration of marriages or whatever it may be that you're believing God for. Listen to me. Don't allow the doubt, the virus to get you. Stand strong. Encourage your faith today. Build a stronger wall and defense around your faith today. So I want to pray for you. This is a a mental battle for the most part. And if you're here this morning, you say, you know, I've realized I've been really struggling with some doubt lately. We just raise your hand and say, Lord, uh, I'm one of those. Uh, I want to be included in that prayer. All right, let's pray together. Lord, today we thank you for the demonstrative way in which you have shown us the, the miracle of fulfillment. And as we look forward to examining all the other miracles of Christmas, Lord, particularly today, we stand in faith against the attacks of doubt that come against our minds and our emotions. There's plenty of it in the world today. And I'm just praying right now with my friends and with those uh, as a part of our church here today, our church family. We choose to put on the helmet of salvation. Once again, we put it on over our minds. It protects our minds from the doubts, doubts about you, doubts about your word, your promises to us, doubts about prophecy, doubts about anything that you want us to have. We take authority and dominion in Jesus' name over doubt, and we put up our hand and we say we resist you in Jesus' name. We rebuke you and we pull down every stronghold of doubt that might rise up in our minds or in our emotions right now. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to keep ourselves well-guarded, vigilant, well-protected against doubt and unbelief that would come against us. Lord, I pray, pleading the blood of Jesus over each and every person in this room today. Lord, we thank you that we are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that today we're encouraged in our faith to stand strong. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask that those who pointed to be prayer teams would come and stand here at the front. Uh, to uh, be available for prayer and ministry. Now listen to me. If you're here today and you have any need in your life, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial, whatever it may be, relational, I want you to don't leave here without having someone pray with you this morning. 
Have someone pray with you and agree with you. Power is released when we agree in prayer. So these teams are here available to receive you and immediately after we dismiss our service with a blessing, then I'm going to encourage you to come and uh, you can receive prayer as well. Uh, Blacks, y'all come on up too as well. So we got three teams up here. You take your pick and you just line up in front of them and you receive their prayers, okay? Uh, Brent is going to come. He's going to speak a final blessing over you. You receive that and that will also be your dismissal. Please be reverent in here to allow for the ministry to take place here at the front. All right, God bless you. Brent. Would you look up at me as I speak a blessing over you? I just want to speak over those that have been dealing with discouragement in this season or even depression. The psalmist described uh, God as the lifter of our head. May God lift your head this week. May He cause you to get your eyes off your circumstances and situations and problems off yourself, and may you see Him. May you see His goodness, His faithfulness, His strength in the midst of your situation. May, may, um, may the Prince of Peace, may the peace of God be a guard about your heart and mind this week. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May Emmanuel, God with us, may you have a, a deep awareness of His abiding presence. A deep understanding that He is with you every moment you're awake and the moment you lay down, that the Prince of Peace is with you, that His strength will sustain you, that His courage will cause you to rise up and be who He's called you to be. You are God's blessed. You have the favor of God in your life. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.